This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Wednesday, y'all. Happy Wednesday. Let me tell you, it has been a Wednesday. Just in the whole 90-day franchise, there is so much going on. Hey, Midwife Crystal, stopping by to say hi and hit the like button. I'm not cut up, so I'll catch the replay. See you on the flip side. So we are doing all things David and Annie, Lauren and Alexi, after the 90 days and this season went by so quickly you guys i can't believe it's only eight isn't it is it not wednesday today oh it is wednesday it is only wednesday vanessa but yeah i cannot believe that after the 90 days was only eight episodes each 30 minute episodes for both david and annie and lauren and lexi so their season is over the finale this was the finale this week which is kind of crazy to me because eight weeks flies by immediately that being said uh shout out to the live chat shout out to my patreon subscribers without you guys these shows wouldn't possibly be possible uh support the show bottom of the screen you can see where you can support the show um yeah geek girl i was kind of surprised it was over too and over in a way that i don't know i'm disappointed i'm i'm disappointed that we watched the whole season and i feel like especially for david and annie they didn't get what they wanted. They didn't go get what they deserved. They didn't get what they came for. None of the things. Anyways, let's get into uh, David and Annie, season one, episode eight, The Year of the Tiger. And let's just talk about Jordan for a second. Okay. And maybe it's good. Maybe it's good that the kids weren't split up. And maybe it's good that they ended up not coming to America. Although I've heard some things. But that being said, if we remember from last week when Jordan jumped up on his bed with a machete and told, screamed, not told, screamed at Annie to get out and then jumped off the bed with the machete and flew by both her and David, I'm still stuck on that, okay? David's stuck on it too. David's like, you know what? <clears throat> it's not a common tool to have in the US, but Annie's like, she's not surprised because, you know, he works on a farm. Okay, so he works on a farm. All I can say, you guys, is I've I've spent plenty of time on a farm, 
And farmers don't necessarily sleep with their tools. So I don't know what it's like in Thailand, but is it is it common practice? And someone can tell me to sleep with your machete in your bed. Is that common practice because you're a farmer? Because I, I feel like in this episode, don't get me wrong. I love David and Annie. I love them so much. I love them so much. I know them. I love them so much. But I do feel Annie was really making excuses for Jordan. And I think she's making excuses for him because, you know, that's her brother and and that's her baby brother. And she wants to be protective of him. But there are some red flags there. And I think no one wants to address. Hey, Texas Gina. Um, no one wants to address that he has some 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 issues that should be addressed. I don't think we should sweep them under the rug because I think those issues are going to get worse and worse because he's 14 and he's going to push the boundaries to see how much he can get away with. And it seems to me like he's getting away with a lot. That being said, Annie says she's not surprised that he was sleeping with this machete because he works on a farm. Um, The only thing that upset her is when he screamed in her face to go away. She's like, that's unacceptable. Um, and so they're like, you know what? We're not going to chase after him. We're going to give him a space and let him calm down and figure it out. Meanwhile, they go and sit with Annie's mom and dad and ask, you know, why is he acting this way? And then the dad starts making excuses too. And I get that too, because I think sometimes parents feel when you're asking about their child, that you're attacking their parenting, you're attacking them as good people. And I don't think that it should be looked at that way. I don't think it should be looked at like, hey, you know what? Um, we're asking because you're bad parents. No, we're asking because we want to help fix whatever's going on here. And, you know, it takes a village, they say. And I think that that's what's going on. So the dad starts making excuses for Jordan saying, you know, he's hot tempered. Uh, he loses control easily. And I just feel like, and don't, I could be wrong. Okay, I could be totally wrong, but the vibe I got was because Annie's parents are a little bit older, I feel like they just have had enough. Like they've had enough. Not that they don't have the energy, but they work so hard on the farm. They work hard in their lives that they just had enough with Jordan. Like they just don't want to give in to any of his whims. That's why he's free to just run amok and act a fool and and go through that 14-year-old angst. Do you know what I mean? Like they're just like, mm. We already raised Annie and whoever else. Like, we're good. This 14-year-old, we're not going to chase after him. We just, quite frankly, don't have the energy to. I, I really feel like that's what's going on here. So anyways, the mom says, you know, he's been a problem child, which is quite telling. And you can tell that the mom is, like, over it, right? Because she didn't really say much about Jordan's bad behavior at all. Um. And then the dad continues to make excuses for Jordan saying, you know, he doesn't hide his emotions. He acts how he feels. And he's been this way since he's little. And that his personal personality type is, uh, and it is this year's the year of the tiger. So that could be something, but his personality type uh, is the same as people born into the year of the tiger. And they believe that that affects your personality. And so, Annie goes on to say another excuse, in my opinion, that, you know, Jordan shows all this anger on the outside, but he's really soft on the inside. But I'm like, it's the anger on the outside that y'all have to deal with, because if that anger goes unchecked, it's just going to get worse. And he's going to think that being angry is going to get his way all the time. And it will get harder to correct that 
poor behavior as he gets older. <clears throat> and, you know, David feels the same way as I do. He's like, you know what? I understand what you're saying about him being born that way and that's his personality and all that stuff, but that's not an excuse. And David thinks that, you know, the dad is giving an excuse for his behavior. And I agree. Everyone, Annie, the dad, the mom, everyone's excusing his behavior, but no one's addressing his behavior. And I think that you have to address the behavior. Because you know what? Children, just like Annie says, need guidance, right? And we've all been there. We've all been that age where we totally act up. Um, and hopefully we've had someone in our lives that can help correct that behavior because he can't go. Listen, you guys, I said last week. What you're not about to do is be swinging no type of machete and running amok and and running away and no one knows where you are all day and night. You don't come back until the morning and you're 14 years old. That behavior needs to be corrected. Where exactly are you sleeping and what are you doing at 14? Because I, I know for me, there would be no way. There would be no way. My African parents would have killed me. They would have killed me for sure. They don't have a machete, but if they had a machete, I'm sure they would have killed me with that machete. What you're not about to do is be 14 running amok, sleeping wherever you're sleeping and no one knows where you are, yelling at people and swinging machetes at people. That's what you're not about to be doing. Ugh. Vanessa says the parents are tired. He's the youngest one, I'm assuming. And Geek Girl says, and the parents don't know how to deal with him. Facts. 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 And he knows it. Those are all facts. And he knows it. So David goes on to say, listen, you can't give excuses for his behavior. You know, if if he knows, if you guys knew, he said, if you know as the parents that he was going to be this way and act this way because he's year of the tiger, then why in his first 14 years, didn't you educate and teach him a way to not have that behavior, which is a very valid point. If you're saying the excuse is, oh, he's born in the year of the tiger and we're also in the year of the tiger, hey, dopey dope, um, <clears throat> then why would you not from birth start correcting that behavior so that he doesn't be the way he is now? So if he's, if he, if you're saying, if he has always been, you know, acting it out, you know, can't hide his emotions. He acts how he feels and he's got anger on the outside. Well, if you've known that for the past 14 years, what is it that you've been doing so that you haven't corrected it? Because again, it's only going to get worse if you continue to ignore it. Vanessa says, remind me to be celibate nine months before the year of the tiger, if that's how tiger children act. I don't know if that's necessarily true. I don't know if that's necessarily true. That's something I would definitely love to look into, uh, the different traits of, of each of the animals for the Chinese New Year. Um, so Annie goes on to say, because David's like, listen, if you guys knew who he was from birth, then you should have corrected this behavior. And Addie goes on to give another excuse saying, you know, my parents are just farmer people. And to me, I had to say, well, Annie, they raised you. So it can't be that, right? It has to be specifically a Jordan issue and or the parents are just tired and letting him run amok or both those things or both those things. 
<clears throat> but all I know is that this Jordan right here is problematic. Problematic. He's problematic and no one is correcting him. And dare I say, Annie wasn't even correcting him. And I'm going to get to that part as well. So David's, David's worried. He's really worried. You know, if he has one of these outbursts in the U.S., can they handle it? And Annie says, yes. And then I was like, but we've yet to see you handle it, Annie, at all this whole season. I'm just saying, like, we haven't seen you handle it. He comes out swinging with the machete and you feel like you handled it. You didn't say anything. You really left it up to David to handle everything. And David couldn't do much because, you know, David's not his blood relative. So if you feel like, hey, you raised your Jordan when you used to live there, then in my opinion, she shouldn't have been able to do more. And if she feels like she can handle it, then they probably would have just gone to the embassy. He probably wouldn't be running away all the time. Doesn't look like anyone can handle Jordan. Um, so then she goes on. To, yeah, she feels guilty for leaving and not raising him. I agree with that. But she also is making a lot of excuses, geek girl. So she continues to make excuses saying that, uh, you know, the reason why he was acting up was because he was sleeping and he, she woke him up with a loud voice, which he excuse me, which he hates. Um, and I was like, listen, listen, y'all, I'm going to be real with you. That's some bullshit, okay? What you're not about to do is be 14 and the adult in your life calls for you and you're sleeping. Of course you're sleeping. You're 14, you're 13. Think about when we were 13 and 14. We never wanted to get up and go to bed or get up and go to school or get up and do anything, right? We didn't want to go to bed early and we didn't want to get up early. That's part of growing up. Okay, but our parents use that loud voice. Dad would use that bass in their voice to get the hell up, get ready for school or get ready for church or get ready for whatever it is that you did not want to get ready for. So for me to say, oh, my God, oh, my God, I don't like that voice you're using. I don't like that loud voice. You know what? You better get that out of here. Get who is the adult? Who is the adult? I don't give a rat's ass, okay? I don't give a rat's ass if Jordan doesn't like loud voices because he's sleeping. Guess what? He's 14. If it was up to him, he would sleep 20 out of the 24 hours in a day. So if you have to use a little bit of a loud voice, if you have to put a little in your voice to get a 14-year-old out of bed, then that's what you should do. And if he doesn't like it, oh, well, too bad. Guess what? He's the child and you're the adult. What you're not about to do, because now I'm on a tangent, what you're not about to do is be running away and doing whatever the fuck you think you want to do with machete when, guess what? You ain't paying no bills in here. You, the roof over your head and the food that goes in your mouth, the clothes that you have on your back, those are all provided for you. So if you want to go ahead and go out there and run amok and be angry and act a fool, then you better go ahead and find a different farm and you better start farming it and providing your own food and providing your own shelter, and taking your own lazy butt to school. Because if not, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye for now. Okay? Rules are rules are rules for a reason, and children need structure, they need guidance, and they need rules. 
or else we think about it. Just think back when you're 13 or 14. You thought you knew some shit and you knew nothing. And guess what? You would try to do whatever you could do. And guess what? The other thing is children lie. They lie. They can't help it. Between the ages of 12 and 18, they just lie. They lie. They just, it just comes out of them. They just lie. Lies. Lies. So guess what? As a parent, you had to sort through the lies and you know your child and you know when they're lying. And so you just figure it out. But guess what? You're still the parent and you can scold them and correct them and still love them. But what you're not about to do again is tell me that you don't like to be woken up with a loud voice. I don't give a, what? Then you better wake up by yourself. So that if I'm if I'm in the kitchen, you're upstairs in your bed, and you're supposed to be on the bus at 8 a.m. and it's 7:50, and you're still like, if I'm raising my voice, I'm raising it for a reason. So you better be on the bus at 7:50 or at the bus stop. And that loud voice of mine, it's because listen, I grew up like this. I grew up like this. Okay. Thank you, Texas Gina. Let me find a man first, then maybe I'll have a baby because I am too old to be a baby mama. Listen, I totally lost my train of thought because I was about to talk some shit right there. Um, what I was going to say, who knows? So Annie goes on to continue to say that because she raised her voice, he got scared. And because he got scared, that's why he grabbed the machete to protect himself. All right. That's what I was going to say. That's what I was going to say. I, again, I don't know how it is on the farms in Thailand, okay. but you're not going to tell me that Annie's little voice, which was not that loud, scared him and that it's okay for him to get up and swing the machete in the air like he's about to do something and scream, go away and get out of my room. What? You know, I said this last week and I'm going to say it again. And someone came for me and said that I am paranoid and I watch too much true crime. Perhaps that's true. Perhaps I do watch too much true crime and perhaps I'm paranoid. But you know what? I also know how it is to live in the real world. Okay. And when there are signs, there are signs. You cannot tell me that that is regular 14 year old behavior. You can't tell me. I don't care farmer or no farmer. Living on a farm or no farm. Getting up, swinging a machete, and telling, screaming at someone to get out of your out of your room, is not normal behavior. It's just not. Okay, and if I if I say that that's that's a red flag, because I do watch all the true crime and I do have a degree in criminology, then I'm going to stick to what I believe, and I believe that that's a a, a red flag. Listen, the person that said that to me, listen, when you have the 14-year-old that's in your house and you're dead asleep in your, and that's funny that I said it that way, and you're asleep in your bed, minding your own, and the 14-year-old who leaves your house all the time, runs away all the time, you don't know where that 14-year-old is, and one day that you say something 
that he doesn't like and you're sleeping in your bed, mind your own business. And all of a sudden the machete's coming down on you and you wonder why. And then you're going to say that I was the paranoid one. I'm just saying. I just watched an episode of I'm going to have to get back to you, but it's on Discovery Plus. And basically, it's like a whole series about this dude who was like a lunatic and he ended up being a serial killer. And guess what? He was a problem child. He was one of six. He was a problem child. And his parents couldn't deal with him anymore. So they sent him to go live on a farm. I'm not making this up. And if I have to look it up, I will. Went to live on a farm with his grandparents. Okay. Grandparents were so good to him. The grandmother um, wrote children's book and the grandfather went out to like, you know, farm or whatever. Okay. Now he, this, this guy, the show that I'm watching, teenager, and he grew up with guns. So he decided that he wanted to go shooting in the back of the farm, right? Which is, you know, a farm thing to do. But guess what? He was problematic as a teenager and no one stopped him, right? So they shipped him off to the farm because no one, parents don't want to deal with him. They already have five other babies. They can't have a sixth child that is completely, you know, running them up. So send them to grand, grandparents' house. Then all the grandma said, you guys, all the grandma said to him was don't be shooting the birds out there. This MF teenager did not like what she said went ahead and took the gun and, and shot his grandmother dead and then because he felt guilty grandpa's coming back from the market didn't want grandpa to see what he did to grandma so guess what met grandpa out front and grandpa was like waving all happy to see his grandkid shoots him dead too so when I say sometimes you have to look at the red flags, you got to look at the red flags. Okay. Some things are not normal teenage behavior. And I'm sticking to what I, I'm saying that getting out of bed with machete in your hand is not 14 year old behavior. <sighs> Gina says, I was an asshole teenager. And when I got older, I cried and apologized to my mom. Mandy says, LOL, I do own a home defense machete, but don't swing unless I need to. Oh, Lord. All right. So they want to talk to him. So they're still talking with the mom and dad at the table. They ask the dad to go and get him. So he goes out there and dad sits down and he says, you know, go talk to your sister. You can't abandon her now and just do this for us. Um, and then I'm noticing that Jordan's sitting there. He's not making eye contact and he's sitting there. Did you guys notice with the machete draped across his lap? Mom's sitting away, doesn't say anything. She's out there too, but she's just petting the dog. Like she ain't trying to get involved. She's over it. She already thinks Jordan's a problem child. She probably really did want him to go to America to like just have a break, all the things. What does Jordan do instead of, yeah, I'll get up and I'll go talk to them? He gets up, 
swings the machete towards the dad and says, what's your deal? No one flinched. The mom doesn't say a word. She just continues to start, continues to pet the dog. And the dad just sits there. I'm sorry. Did your 14-year-old son just swing a machete towards you and no one thinks that's a problem? So the dad gets up, um, tells David and Annie that he's, you know, still mad and he's still stressed out. I think he's a little bit more than stressed out. I think he needs a whole timeout and someone needs to take that machete away from him. Um, so David and Annie are like, there's nothing we can do. Let's just give him some time to cool off and, um, we'll pack cause we have to, to go to the embassy tomorrow. We don't have like a big window of opportunities. So we're gonna have to leave. And if he wants to come with us, he'll come. And if he doesn't want to come with us, then we can't make him, which again, I think that if Jordan is acting up the way he's acting up all because he doesn't want to go to America, then they shouldn't force him to go. If he doesn't want to go. And it's going to change his behavior to not go, then just let him stay. If this wasn't something he was on board with, then no one should force him to do something like leave his country and his parents if that's not what he wants to do. And yes, we're talking about a better life and opportunities and all of that. But if he doesn't want those opportunities, then guess what? Maybe he'll want them when he's 19 or 20 or 30 or whatever. But for now, you keep him where he is, but keep him where he is and have some discipline. <clears throat> Lori says, I was a high school teacher for 24 years and he totally gave me vibes of the only student who I was ever afraid of and was taken down by security because he brought weapons to school to shoot it up. There, see? I'm just saying we have to, we can't, we can't turn away from the youth and the issues that they're having just because we don't want to confront them or we want to make excuses for them or we feel offended because we or or scared because we think we're going to offend the parents. We all have to step in to raise these young people. We really do. We really do. And we can't be afraid to to help them because some sometimes it's a cry for help and sometimes the, it's warning signs, right? And what do they now say? If you see something, say something. You have to see something, say something for sure. For sure, wherever we are, because we all know that it's everyone's safety. At the end of the day, it's going to be everyone's safety. So I'd rather offend a 14-year-old now than to just continue to ignore the behavior and then, you know, years down the road, something happens. And then I'm going to regret it even more. I should have said something when, you know, he woke up that day swinging the machete at people. Right. It takes a village. And Stevie says, Hey, Stevie, dad said he always been a problem child. Well, the mom said that the mom said he was a problem child. The dad only get, made excuses for him. And I do agree though, that both of the parents are probably just tired and maybe they are scared of him. So, um, so Annie and David, David are packing. Amber comes by. Um, no one knows where Jordan is again. He's MIA. And then Annie tells Amber what happened, you know, the day before. 
But what's interesting to me how she told Amber what happened, but she left out the machete part, which is the biggest deal in my opinion. Um, and Amber gets it. She grew up with Jordan. She knows exactly who he is. And she says, you know, when Jordan is mad, he doesn't care about anything and he runs away all the time, which is confirming that he, he's been problematic for a long time now. And if you don't face a problematic child, it's going to get worse because they're going to get stuck in their ways the older they get. And if there's no correction he might not think he's doing anything wrong. He's doing it to act out and he's seeing that's giving him results. So he's going to continue to do what gives him results. Um, <clears throat> so she goes on to say, you know, she really wants to go to America. And if Jordan doesn't come, you know, they grew up together. She'll miss him because he's a part of her. Um, but again, she just thinks that he's being selfish. So they're leaving in the AM. Jordan, again, still is MIA. So, you know, missing in action for two days. Um, and I was just like, what? Where is he? He's 14. How is he How is he allowed to just be gone and no one know where he is and it's okay? How is that possible? How? I just, I just don't know. I guess I just grew up different. I just know that, you know what? 14 years old should not be making any type of, the, any of the rules. Any of the rules. So... <clears throat> They're all saying goodbye to Amber. Um, I thought this was a really beautiful moment because this is the first time at least I remember seeing her de dad, Thep, uh, who is saying goodbye to her, hugging her, kissing her, and telling her to follow her dreams. Follow your dreams. Follow your dreams. And it was just such a special moment. Annie asked where Jordan is, um, and Annie's parents finally tell her, listen, Jordan wants to stay here. And I'm like, okay, let him stay. Let him stay. Like, you can't make him go somewhere he does not want to go. You can't. Especially, you know, halfway across the world. And you know what? Maybe it's okay. Maybe he stays in school. Maybe he learns English. Maybe he matures a bit. Maybe he gets some discipline. And he might change his mind at a later date, like I said earlier. Uh Gina says, yeah, maybe they need to stop labeling him a problem child. Maybe that's why he's being so defiant because everyone keeps putting him down all the time. Who knows? Mm. 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 Gina, hmm. hmm. what do I think about that? What do I think about that? Uh, I think maybe they shouldn't say to his face, and I don't think that they do, that he's a problem child, but perhaps they don't... Um, address when he acts out because sometimes children act out because they want attention right and the vibe i get is that they're just tired of it all like they're just they're tired of it they're they're older they've been working hard their whole lives they just really don't feel like dealing with a child that they think is problematic so they just let him run amok and i think perhaps maybe he continues to act out to get the attention that he's looking for and why I say that is because when they were in Bangkok, he was like a different child. And and on top of that, they were all stuck together in a pandemic for a month in one little small apartment. And he was like cooking, he was laughing, they went fishing, all the things. And it was different for him. And I think perhaps because guess what? Your 30 days, intense, 
on top of each other. But guess what? That means you're getting all the attention that perhaps you're not getting at home. And so he was kind of thriving, right? And then you throw in David giving him discipline, obviously, and him still like being lazy and sleeping and all of that. But guess what? He was also getting new experiences, right? So his first suit and how proud he was with the tie and David tying it for him. And he felt like a little man and he felt important. And he even said that I felt like a little businessman. All of that was, guess what, you guys, structure and attention, which children need. That's all I'm saying. So back to what Gina said, I don't necessarily think they're labeling him a problem child. I think that he has been problematic, but I also think that he's acting out because perhaps he's not getting the attention that he is looking for. And so the more he acts out, the more he's hoping he's going to get the attention. And the more drastic he acts out, the more he's thinking he's going to get the attention, but then he doesn't get it. So then guess what? He runs away. Because you're going to have to go look for him, right? And now they even just stop looking for him. So anyhow, Jordan wants to stay. Uh, can't force him. It's his decision. So they have to leave for Chiang Mai. Um, and the producers ask, you know, how do you feel about leaving Jordan to Amber? And Amber's like, you know what? Jordan's the one who left us. We didn't leave him, which I thought was a brilliant thing to say. Um, and she's disappointed in the whole thing. She's disappointed in him. And she's disappointed in in them having to be apart. Um. Annie's parents, you know, they're disappointed too. They really wanted him to go to America. And I think they wanted him to go to America for more than one reason. But the reason that they gave is that, you know, he's going to be missing out on so many opportunities in life. And as parents, you always want the best for your children. Uh, so they're on their way to Chiang Mai and Amber's never been. She had watched a movie and said, one day I want to go there. And now she, that dream was coming true. Uh, one of the things I noticed, so they were on their way to the embassy. And do you guys remember the big deal they made about um, having to wear like nondescript clothes, right? So like no labels, no bright colors, all the things. That's why they were doing like the blues and the grays and the business attire, um, which was different this time. And I wasn't sure if it was because they were in Chiang Mai, but they were still going to an embassy. So I was like, do embassies have different rules? Because Amber, you know, she had it on a floral summer dress and a little sweater. And I was confused for a minute. She looked gorgeous, beautiful, and, and ready to, to conquer the world. But I was like, you guys made such a big deal about what it was like and what you needed to do for the embassy. And then now it's like anything goes. So what is it? Um, so Amber has to go in by herself, which again... It's hard. She's 16. It's hard. I I felt for her, right? David and Nanny can't go in with her, and I wish that they could so they could know what was going on. Um, and David has butterflies, but correction, uh, he said that he has pterodactyls, which I died of laughter. And Nanny's like, what are pterodactyls? And he's like, you know, the big dinosaurs that fly. And her response is, you know, your stomach is big, but it's not that big. And again, I died of laugh laughter. <clears throat> oh, interesting. Lori said, I keep wondering if the dark cloud spirit that was over David was actually how the family feels about Jordan. Wow, that's interesting. Interesting thought. 
So they're waiting for Amber. She gets back. And you guys, this was the shocking. It was shocking to me. I don't know why I didn't think she would be denied again. I just, it didn't cross my mind at all. So when she said that she didn't get her visa, I honestly thought she was just joking. But then she wasn't just joking. They said, no, they just won't give it to her. And she started crying. They started crying. They consoled her. It's not your fault. It's going to be okay. David was so good about it. He's like, you know what? This is okay. We're never going to give up. This is not your fault at all. She feels sad because she feels like it's another failure. She feels like she has brought disappointment again to David and Annie. And they feel sad because, you know, this was their idea. They brought it up to the whole family. They had the ceremonies. They had the blessings. They did all the things and have been denied two times now, right? And my thing, I don't know if I should, I'm going to say it anyways. So my thing is, you know how they went to the Mordu and the Mordu got like a thousand bot off of them and was praying to clear the way? Do they get their thousand bot back or, or no? Just, and I don't mean it in a disrespectful way. I'm just saying like, how does that work? Um, and he goes on to tell and assure Amber that she'll always, she'll always be there for her. She'll always take care of her. Even back in America, she's always going to take care of her. Um, so now they have to bring her back to the village and they're going to try again for the next school year. And Annie's sad. David's sad. She's like, they both think that they failed Amber. Um, and, you know, I don't think you have control over that, right? It's the embassy. The embassy decides who comes and who goes. Um, Geeker said, I was wondering if she was denied that first time, if it would be on her record. And in a short amount of time, would they expect something different? I think that's interesting that you think said that because I do think that 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 they keep records. I think all embassies keep records on who comes and goes and what they're trying to do. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if they were like, Hey, you know, we just saw last week, you tried to get this visa and we don't know what happened there, but they denied you. So we're going to go ahead and deny you too. Cause something must be up. That could possibly be it. Right. Um, I do think that, you know, like David said, they need to talk to their attorney and find out what it is. What is the process that, that most people go through for these student visa visas that allow them to get approved? What does that look like? And ask the questions because clearly just talking to the, the attorney and the attorney saying, oh, dress in blue and I got you another appointment and go here because, uh, go to Chiang Mai because they're a little bit more lenient. Well, first of all, why wouldn't the lawyer tell them that the first time? Why, why recommend Bangkok when you know Bangkok is going to be harder for them? And then shouldn't there be like a checklist? Because clearly... The first time was about speaking English and Amber, even though Amber was practicing her English and all of that stuff, perhaps before David and Annie came to get them, they could have prepared them by saying, okay, for the next, however long year, or however, six months before we come to Thailand, be practicing your English and be practicing these phrases, all the things set them up for success. Um, so I'm just saying like, I feel like when you pay for counsel, when you pay for anyone's advice or guidance, 
they should guide you all the way through. And I know that at the end of the day, it's the embassy or it's whatever it is that makes the final decision. But did they have all the tools, necessary tools that they needed to succeed? I don't know. You guys let me know what you think, because I'm on the fence with that. Um, everyone's sad. Amber's sad. David's sad. Annie's sad. Uh, Amber's heart feels heavy. She feels very sad because uh, it's now the day where David and Annie are leaving for America, and she thought she would be leaving with them, too. Um, and for the third day in a row, Jordan's MIA, nowhere to be found. So he's not going to say goodbye to David and Annie, which I think is super disrespectful. And I think that your child deciding that he's going to go play with his friends or whatever it is that he's doing, someone needs to give him some structure. Someone needs to give him some rules and regulations. Someone needs to do something because he is running amok and something needs to be done about it. So... The beautiful thing about this whole thing was no one was blaming David like they were before. They were actually embracing him, telling him not to feel bad. Um, and even Annie's mom says, you know, out of 100 people in the village here, not one of them would equal you, David. Um, and I thought that was beautiful. I thought that was beautiful. And they said that they will all keep trying. And... Um, Amber says something that broke my heart. She's like, you know, just don't forget me. And again, they all start crying. And she's like, I'll wait for you. I'll wait for however long it takes for you guys to come back for me. Um, and even Auntie Loam was kind to David and said, you know, I wish you nothing but success and happiness and just continue to persevere. And I just thought that was a beautiful moment. Now, was I shocked that none of the kids out of this entire season got to come? Was I surprised that their whole mission and journey, nothing happened from, from it? I was absolutely surprised. I did not think this was going to be the ending. However, um, that just sets them up for season two. Now, in the outro, Annie talked about how she learned to be a parent on this trip, um, how this trip made both her and David as a couple stronger. Uh, I do think that that is, that part is true. Um, but I do think, you know, they're going to have to lean on David's experiences as a parent. And I think David has the wisdom and I think David is the one that, um, can help pull it all together. So that was that, that was the season finale. You guys, who knows when season two is coming, but guess what? The good thing about TLC is they're constantly filming and they're constantly pumping out new shows, new shows, new shows. March 15th, uh, 90 Day Diaries is coming out. I had totally even forgotten about that show, but it looks like it's going to be a great season. So one of the good things is that they're constantly, constantly filming. So there will always be material. And moving on to Lauren and Alexi. Uh, episode eight, their season finale called All of Lauren's Boys. It's 12 days after her, her she's given birth and she is visiting baby Bowton. Um, and he is no longer in the incubator. And it's the first time that she gets to hold him, you know, 12 days after giving birth to him. So it was such a, a beautiful moment to see. She was terrified. She was emotional. She felt like it was surreal. 
and she you saw that Alex had like a bag of milk because so she's still pumping milk because she's trying to nurse. Uh, but in reality, they're using a feeding tube because baby Bolton is still um, on all the tubes and oxygen and whatnot. They flash forward to 16 days uh, after birth and baby Bolton seemed to be doing good. Um, or had seemed to be doing good with the oxygen, but now he's back on the nasal cannula because he's not breathing on his own. So they also find out that he's going to end up in the NICU a little bit longer. And the doctors have decided to give him a treatment for his lungs because he's not progressing well. Um, And so he's going to be in the NICU for at least another week. And I was just so... I just felt for them. I felt for them. And I've, I've said this on my show before where um, parents of babies that are in the NICU, they go through a lot and it's 24 seven and it's full of worry. And especially first time parents, not knowing, not knowing, not knowing, not knowing what's going on. And, you know, I encourage you guys uh, in your local communities to somehow get involved. And, you know, I've, I've heard and seen a lot of amazing organizations that do a lot that I've donated to too, that um, like they knit smaller caps for bait, the preemies and NICU babies, cause they're smaller. Um, they have volunteers that you like, you know, donate to them and they, bring food to the families who don't, some of them don't leave, like they sleep at the hospital, so they're not eating properly. And so they don't have like just vending food or hospital food. They bring in warm cooked meals, all the things. And I don't know, I just think it's a beautiful thing. I think sometimes things that we are not familiar with that are out of sight of our mind, we don't realize that there's like a whole group of people that are dealing with things like that. Um, that the, it's the little things that are so helpful, right? So, you know, in, in your community, if you feel led, definitely look up um, any of your hospitals or, or nonprofits that do that. It's really helpful. Um, Geek Girl says, I was a preemie. I can't imagine how hard it was for my parents, and I'm a firstborn. Yeah. And Texas Gina says, yes, and please keep my daughter Bethany in your prayers. She's having her first baby. Saturday morning in Anaheim, California, C-section, and she's a little nervous. Texas Gina, A, congratulations to your daughter. I know everything is going to be amazing and beautiful, and she's going to be happy and healthy and get through that C-section just wonderfully as as much as she can. And we are all sending 100% positive vibes and all the prayers and all the blessings to you, Grandma. Um, And... You know, congratulations. So <clears throat> that being said, Baby Bolton, uh, Lauren says, every time he takes a t- step forward, it's seeming like he's taking three steps back and it's very stressful uh, for her and for Alex. And... It was so sad to see this because, you know, baby Bolton being in the NICU for as long as he was in the NICU, you know, Alex is trying to keep a stiff upper lip, 
but you could tell both of them look so sad and both of them look so scared. Like for Lauren, she's more expressive, right? So she's saying she's scared and she's mad and she's sad and all the things. Um, and then Alex, you could just tell around his eyes that he was like so stressed out, but he was trying not to act like he was stressed out. And it was just really, you guys, it's so much, like, it's such a happy moment, right? Like, hey, we just had our, our, our second baby or our first baby, whatever. And then all the things that are out of your control and you want it to be okay, but you don't know. It was just, it was really hard to watch. It was really quite, it stirred some emotions for me. I was just like, oh. Anyhow, they're 20 days uh, after birth. And they're at home. Baby Bolton is still not home. Uh, Alex and her decide that they're going to have a glass of wine. They're both mentally exhausted. And then Alex, and I think, here's the thing. I think Alex was projecting his fear onto Lauren, but also rationalizing it to himself. And this is why I say this. It's because he says to, to Lauren that she's not really sad. She's not really mad. It's just her hormones. And I was like, no, she's sad and she's mad and so are you. And you can try to justify it to her by projecting, hey, you know what? You, meaning me, I'm not sad and I'm not mad. You, 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 but really me, me, me. And it's just your hormones. You, 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 your hormones. And for me, I'm the man of the house, so I'm not going to feel any type of way, right? But... What he really meant to say was, I'm scared, I'm sad, I'm mad too, and I know we're going through a lot. That's what he was trying to, to say, but he, I think he didn't know how to say it. And Lauren says, <clears throat> Alex is hurting but doesn't show his emotions. He tries to be the patriarch of the family. And she says this, you know, I wish he would just give me a hug, tell me everything was going to be okay, and reassure me. And I'm going to tell you that that's what, we, that's what women are always going to want. Okay, sometimes they're venting. Sometimes they're asking for help. But all of the time, because you're their partner, they want reassurance. They want the hugs. They want you to say everything is going to be okay. That's it. That's it. And sometimes, sometimes they're just venting. And they want their best friend and partner to listen to them vent, not necessarily to try to fix anything, but just to listen to them vent so that they can get it out of their system. And the partner says, you know what? You got this, you're gonna be okay. Or even don't say anything, just hug them. And guess what? Sometimes that's just enough. Anyhow. Alex goes on to say, because he's trying to use his words, but he's saying you, 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 but really he's reassuring himself, himself, himself. He says to her, you know, you should be happy. You have a baby. It's just your hormones. It will be okay. He'll be home soon enough. Which if you translate that to like, hey, I should be happy. I have another baby and it's going to be okay. He's going to be home soon. It's him reassuring himself while projecting his fear to his wife, which, you know, He's human. 22 days after giving birth, 
Apparently, Lauren, who normally doesn't call the NICU uh, at night because they're in capable hands, had like a feeling that she should call the NICU. And so she called the NICU the night before and was told to bring a car seat um, because she was, baby Bowden was coming home the next day. And she was shocked and she was elated, but she also didn't believe it because she had earlier been told that baby Bolton was going to be there for another seven to 10 days, but she's hopeful, fingers crossed. So they're working out the whole car seat, big boy seat. Lauren has a plan. Alex is on board with her plan. Uh, they drive to the hospital and when it, he stays out, uh, like in the parking lot area with baby shy or toddler shy, and she goes in. And one of the things that I learned from the show that I absolutely didn't know is, did you guys know that um, when preemies or NICU babies are going home, they do like a car seat test? And so they need to stay in the car seat for 90 minutes while getting monitored before they could go home. I had no idea. didn't know that was a thing. Um, they monitor their heart rate, make sure they can breathe without oxygen, make sure everything's fine. And if they can sit in that car seat for 90, 90 minutes, then then they're um, discharged and go home with the parents. I had no idea. I had no idea. So baby Bolton passes the stress test, the, or not the stress test, I should call it the car seat test, but it was stressful. That's what I was saying, a stress test, stressful for Lauren. And Lauren comes out with baby Bowton and Shy wants to hold his baby brother. It was so cute. Shy was full of big hugs and big kisses. He almost grabbed baby Bowton with both of his little strong arms. Um, and it was really adorable to watch. It was like heart melting. Like you could just see that all of them together for the first time was a beautiful sight and everyone was happy. Baby Shy was tired. It was past his bedtime, but, you know, he st stayed up late because he wanted to meet his baby brother. And Alex is already making a joke about, can you imagine if it was two of them hugging the new baby? So making the joke because, you know, he, you know, he wants four kids, right? Four or five kids. And so he's already talking about baby number three. And I would to be honest here. I think that they're going to have baby number three very shortly. I think that they are they're into it. They're into it. So I wouldn't be surprised by the end of the year if we heard that Lauren was pregnant again. Um, so they get home. Shy's crying. It's past his bedtime. So he's cranky. Uh, he can't fall asleep. They can't fall asleep. So all the family was in the bed and it was so cute. It was like the moment that all season they've been waiting for, right? So the family of four is all home. Um, baby Bolton is lying on Alex's chest and Lauren is stroking and calming baby shy. And it was just, a, it was a beautiful moment. And it was so cute because you could see Lauren and Alexi look at each other. And in that moment, without words, you can see how they they were looking at each other. Like we did this, we created this. It was a really special moment. They high fived, which I think was the same thing as what I just said. And, um, it was just a nice. So now it's 25 days uh, after birth and they're preparing for the bris and 
which means baby Bolton's getting circumcised by a rabbi and then his name is going to be revealed. Um, and then he also, baby boy, will be officially welcomed into the Jewish faith. Both Alex and Lauren say that they don't like bristles because it's not an easy day because, you know, you see your baby get cut, you see the baby bleeding, you see the baby screaming, and it's just a hard day to prepare for. So Dr. Andrew Krinsky, he's OBGYN in the Moyle, comes to do the circumcision and Lauren's mom comes, her dad comes, her sister comes. And it's the first time that her dad is meeting baby Bolton because he had had COVID. So he couldn't come around. Um, and Brian, you know, I said this before, I'm going to say it again. There's something about Brian and Marlene. I can't put my finger on it, but there's, there's something, there's something about those two that I'm just not quite sure what it is. Anyhow, they're there. The sister's there. Sister didn't really say anything. She was just there. It was weird. Because, you know, for a long time, I had even forgotten. I don't even know if I knew that Lauren had a sister. And, you know, we saw her, I think, a couple episodes ago when they went for brunch. It was like some weird, I don't know, like filler moment. I'd like to, to like, what's, I'd like to know more about this family. I think that's what I'm trying to get to. Like, I'd like to know more of what, what's the deal with this family. Because something, it's just something something anyhow they're all there in person and then they have a multiple computers going because uh they have people from around the world russia ukraine pray for ukraine um california watching in on the breast alex and brian are in charge of keeping the baby occupied lauren starts crying because she and she's looking away she's on the couch and then they're like, cut, one, two, three. Baby Bolton didn't, didn't cry a peep, didn't move, didn't, didn't fuss, nothing. He took it like a champ, y'all. He didn't say a word. He was had a little soother in. They were one, two, three, cut, mazel tov. Baby was still sleeping, chilling. I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, it's weird, right? It seems like we know Alex's family better, and we only met Alex's family briefly here and there. That is so true. And Vanessa says, I agree about Lauren's friends. Yes, some, listen, there's something. I don't know what it is. There's just something. A je ne sais quoi. Something. Okay, so um, Alex you know, thanks Lauren for bringing this new baby to their family. He thanks everyone for being there for all their help and support. And they have lunch. They cheers to new baby. Um, Bolton. Okay. I skipped a part. There's the naming ceremony. So they do after the cut. The baby was quiet. Now they're giving him his Hebrew name. So they're like Shalom and Asher, son of Alexi and Leah. Asher is his name. We've known his name for some time now, but Asher is a Hebrew name, meaning happiness and joy. Um, and so they talked about how, you know, naming a baby is hard because when you start thinking about names, you think about people that you like and people that you don't like. You want your baby's name to have meaning and all the things. I agree with that, but I think Asher is a wonderful name. Happiness and joy. 
Um, so they put his name out there in the world. And so congratulations to them. It's three months later, baby Asher is thriving and growing and Lauren and Alexi are already mi- mixing up baby shy with baby Asher and their names and the kids. But finally they're starting to feel like a family of four. And uh, what we saw in the little brief clip is that during that three months, Alex was sleeping in the bathroom because I guess the babies were sleeping in the room with, with Lauren and there wasn't enough room for him. So he had his blanket on the bathroom floor, which is the whole thing, but now he's finally back in the bed and they are saying Asher is a happy baby. He's thriving. Baby Shy loves him very, very much. Um, most of the time, some of the time, you know, Baby Shy was an only baby at first. So he is looking for that attention still. So it's that having the ability to share the attention equally across all your children. Um, wonder if they still had the nanny. What happened to her? I was hoping to see her again. Yeah, I know. And you guys, you spent a whole episode going through the interview process. And then it's three months later where we should absolutely have seen, uh, she wasn't a nanny, the doula. We should have absolutely seen the doula because we invested time in the doula. And like, that was a poor edit. At least do like a to camera with the producers like oh it's three months later we spent three months with with the doula and she showed us how to do xyz and gave us our sleep pattern and sleep schedule and we were on board with it you know stop bringing people in that we have to get to know spend you know our time getting to know and then there's no follow-up it's all in the follow-up Yeah, if you're gonna go ahead and edit it, make sure that you're editing it from A to Z. That's all. That's it. That's all. Anyways, you guys, thank you so much. This is great. What a wonderful season! What a wonderful season finales on two. I know both of those shows are gonna get picked up for season twos. Um, so I'll look for that. I do think that they should also expand and let's see some older couples. Some of the older couples that the 90 day fandom has been saying TLC bring back such and such, such and such from season one and season two, who we haven't heard from. Let's hear from them. We hear from the same, you know, group of people. It's like the core 20 same people that get recycled, recycled, recycled. Let's take it back a notch. Let's take it back. Like, four or five seasons and go back to season one and two, where are they now? Let's go on after the 90 days with some of those people who have, who've been in the game, who are thriving, who have two, three babies, you know, I'm sure they will sign up for eight episodes, eight 30 minute episodes. You can knock that out in a week. Anyways, you guys, we will see you, uh, I think we're done for shows this week until Friday. So I'll see you guys back here on Friday. And don't forget to hit that thumbs up. Don't forget to like and subscribe. And tell a friend to tell a friend to help us grow the page. Bye for now. Texas Gina, good luck to you. Good luck to you. Good luck to you. Congratulations to you. Safe travels. And congratulations. I'll see you guys all next time. Bye for now.